0: music mm-hmm. Star Wars fans and Rule the Galaxy fans. Um, thanks so much for being with us. It's Joe in the pilot seat as usual. And uh, we are actually celebrating chapter 158 of the Star Wars Rule the Galaxy podcast. And uh, we've got a special guest today. We'll get to him in one second. We're really excited about that. Uh, but uh, as always, you can follow us at Rule the Galaxy SW on Twitter and Instagram rule the galaxy podcast on tiktok just rule the galaxy on facebook and youtube um you can get cool gear with the rule the galaxy logo on it at rule the Gal- at rule the galaxy all one word on uh, etsy so go to etsy.com type in rule the galaxy all one word get your shirt your hat whatever uh, you know tell us what you need from us we'll get it made and uh, last but not least you can always email us at rule the galaxy sw at gmail.com you know what just it's great to see our fans sending us emails and checking in with us and we've got a ton of them checking in with us on twitter as well but to get past all that even though i've screwed up to start the show um we're really excited because we have our guest uh mr chris kimshaw um hopefully that's correct chris yeah, And um, okay and he is the author of um the history and politics of star wars death stars and democracy and uh, gosh it was great chris reached out to us when we were doing some interviews with i think john jackson miller or drew Carpition and uh, you know other authors in the star wars universe and and mentioned that he was writing a book and with our busy schedules this is the first we got a chance to to meet up so chris thank you so much for being a part of the show thanks for coming on
1: how are you I'm good. Thank you so much for for having me on. I've been really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, it's good. I mean, you're sat over in America at the moment and I'm sat over here in, in England and we're in the midst of a heat wave. So, um, you know, if I just spontaneously burst into flames at some point during this, um, consider I'm doing, I don't know, like an Anakin tribute act and just move on to the next segment or something. Hey, well, we'll just call that the Mustafar segment of the show. There we
0: go. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm going to hop in and, and, you know, um, read some of your bio here, it just just some great stuff here. I mean, there's things, I, you know, actually, I don't even know if I'm qualified to be having you on our show with all the great stuff in your bio. You're you actually a doctor, Dr. Chris Gimshall, uh, historian of allied relations in the First World War, and uh, as well as popular re- representations of history and warfare in modern media, particularly in the Star Wars franchise. Goodness, you, you're, a, you're a fellow at the University of Exeter, and a senior research fellow at the center for army leadership royal military academy sandhurst that is a lot to say my friend um <laughs> and, and i love that you're you're very deep into the first world war my daughter um graduated with a a degree in history and a, and a teaching degree and she was actually a high school history teacher for a few years you've got a lot of stuff going on here And to then go write this book, and it looks like um, you just also wrote another Star Wars book, Star Wars Battles That Changed the Galaxy with Jason Fry, Cole Horton, and Amy Ratcliffe, correct?
1: Yeah, that was a that came about as a weird outcome of me writing the the history and politics book. It kind of it got tweeted out on like by, by the British Library of all people on Twitter a few years back, and DK contacted me and said, "Do you want to come and write and help us write an official Star Wars book?" And it turned out I really did want that. <laughs> I think most of us would. Um, yeah, actually, I probably
0: wouldn't because my writing skills are way down there on my list. I don't even know if my speaking skills are that high, but I do it all the time. Um, you know, looking at this First World War thing, it really stuck out to me. And this is a question before we even get into Star Wars. And just, you know, throwing a curveball at you. Have <laughs> you seen
1: the movie 1917? I have seen the film uh, 1917. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I went to the cinema and watched it. But what I came mm-hmm. out of it thinking was that was the best First World War computer game I've ever sat through. <laughs> um, because it, it's all of the kind of the plot points and the, and, and the building of the tension. It's like playing a first-person shooter. Um, and, you know, oh, I, now he's got to cross, cross this kind of this canal and he's got to climb over this bridge. There'll be a sniper in the tower because it's a first person shoot again. There's always a sniper in the tower. And I no, I, I super enjoyed it. I really, really liked um, 1917. I liked the, you know, the attempt to make it all one shot. Because um, yeah. I've got a my my original background was in media studies. So I was kind of playing spot the cut that point, you know, if like a, a piece of wall moves across the the front of the camera or something like that, well, there, there's going to be a cut in there because I can't keep going forever. Um, but it was good. I really enjoyed 1917. It was a it was a fun, interesting film.
0: Well, that's good. I you know I'm um, I'm an amateur historian. Like I said, my daughter's very much more into it than I am. But I really like to jump into that area and, and read a lot and, and watch a lot of historical document you know documentaries. So when I watched that, I thought. I really enjoyed it and I wonder how true to life some of that really was but I figured while you're here I just thought I would ask you if you enjoyed it and you thought it it, you know it kind of held up so
1: yeah the 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 opening kind of 10-15 minutes where they're going through the trenches and then they're going across no man's land is a really good depiction of how hectic first world war trenches were there were loads of people in them it was confusing it was crowded the stuff across no man's land was a pretty good pretty good representation of what no man's land would have looked like in the first world war so yeah i've definitely seen far far worse first world war films for, for <laughs> historical accuracy than that
0: well that's awesome that's awesome um well good i didn't mean to throw that on you there and no no it's in direction i was going to talk about the first world war yeah well good there we go see we 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 will broaden our listeners minds <laughs> by talking about that so um i'm actually uh, my, my first trip to Europe is coming up uh, in about 45 days. I'll be, I won't be oh, heading cool. to England. I won't be heading to France or Germany or anything. I'm actually going to Italy only. I'll be uh, in Rome, Florence, and Positano. Um, so probably not jumping into too much World War I era things right there, but really excited to go to that. And it will be my first trip to Europe. So very oh, excited. Have an so. Amazing time. Rome
1: is a great city to visit. It's, it's a huge amount of fun.
0: Well, I've told my wife, we're going to hit Rome, we're going to wear her out there, then we're going to head to Florence, (laughs) relax a little bit, and then finish up at the beach, and just relax until we come back home. So That's the way
1: to do it. Rome is not a relaxing city.
0: No, and I didn't want to finish there, not to take our listeners down another path, I didn't want to finish there and be so tired and get on that plane and head home. I wanted to be relaxing as we headed back to the States, so hopefully I'm going this right way, so... Anyway, so we've, we've gone down a couple different paths there, and I apologize. So Chris, what, what are the best ways for people to find you, uh, you, know, whether it's websites, whether it's Twitter, whether it's you know, Instagram or any other things like that? What are the best places for people to find you to learn more about your background, your history, and, and then what you're doing with Star Wars?
1: So uh, one of the benefits of, by the looks of it, being the only Chris Kempshaw who has ever existed is that all of my social media is imaginatively at Chris Kempshaw, um, so that that's it's at Chris Kempshall on Twitter. It's at Chris Kempshall on Instagram. My website is chriskempshall.com. Um, it's it's all adds together to kind of be a nice kind of easily branded whole. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty active on Twitter. I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's where you'll generally find out bits and pieces of of what I'm up to. And if you you know you like. I don't know, kind of weird stuff about the First World War or Simpsons GIFs or random jokes about Star Wars. You'll find plenty of those on my Twitter account, in amongst other stuff.
0: Uh, that is awesome. Well, good. Well, I'll make sure that we we tag all those again <laughs> on on our on our uh, you know page, and then also with with uh, us on social media there. But let let's um, we'll, we'll I'll tell you what we'll do a little bit of this. We'll hop into the book, but then we'll we'll kind of do segments where we ask questions about other things Star Wars related. So, you know, the the book is. Uh, and I always hate that I don't I don't want to mess up the name here. And I just had it right there. You know the name of the book. Uh, go ahead. What what is the actual title of this book? The this actual movie?
1: title of the book is The History and Politics of Star Wars, Death Stars and Democracy. Death Stars you know, nice and Democracy. Nice and catchy.
0: Oh, you could have made it a little shorter, right? I could but have made it like a little me... shorter. No, but it it's good and it encapsulates a lot of things there. I mean, if you think about, you know, all the things in Star Wars that that people Say let's be political in Star Wars. Let's not be political in Star Wars. There's a lot to to chew on in those topics right there. So um, is, this book will be coming out soon, correct?
1: Uh, it, it officially published on the 11th of August. So it is. It lives in the world. I mean, I say officially published. People have been sending me pictures on Twitter, being like, "I've got, like, I've got your book for like a week." So I think that's like an administrative <laughs> date. Um, so it, you know, it exists. It, it breathes in the world, which is very exciting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I, you were kind enough to make sure I
0: got a chance to read. I've, Like I said, I've finished about half of it. So I've really enjoyed it. Uh, lots of good points, lots of good historical data to go in there as well. Let, let's just talk about it. I mean, uh, you've broken it down in some great segments. The, the intro, you know, intro a long time ago, uh, you know, I, I thought that was a great way to start it. Uh, first, the first segment of the book um, for a safe and secure society, which I thought, you know, I mean, looking at. What we've looked at in Star Wars, I think that's a great section right there. Uh, section 2, How Liberty Dies. Section 3, Built on Hope. Uh, section 4, Keepers of the Peace, but not Soldiers. And let's see, section 5, We Don't Want Them Here. Is that right? Yes. We don't want, yes. them. Yep, yep, don't, we don't want yeah. them here. Uh, and then the clu- conclusion, Always in Motion the Future Is. So you, I'm going to let you lead the way on this because I said I haven't finished all of it yet, but Looking at this, what were some of the things that made you, obviously, your background in history was a big part of this, but what were some of the things that made you want to write a book like this, and what were some of the key things that you thought could establish a book
1: like this in this topic? Um, I mean, the, you know, the starting point for anything writing about Star Wars is I'm a big Star Wars fan, and um, I'd had this whole weird thing that happened. I'd Done some stuff about first world war computer games, and had yeah, done quite well, um, you know, academically speaking. Um, and the the editor at Routledge was like, had seen it, and was like, we should talk about other ideas. I was like, are we talking like first world war ideas? Are we talking random geeky ideas? Because I've got some random geeky ideas I'd really love like to do. <laughs> um, and kind of pitched this book to him, and 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 he really liked it, and kind of it kind of evolved from there. But I didn't want this just to be uh, a kind of a either you know i didn't want to be that guy at a dinner party which is like i know a lot about star wars you are now a captive audience to hear me talk about star wars i think that's for
0: podcasts and most events yes
1: yeah i mean which is great when you're talking to other star wars people but right. if you you know you want to talk to like other civilians they they're, they're going to walk off and i didn't yeah. you know i didn't want that to happen um so i wanted this to be to to be adding something both to kind of you know history and also to to star wars fans and my starting point with it was, um, and I've been saying this at uh, various places. this isn't a criticism of books that analyse Star Wars that have already existed, because I can completely understand exactly the thought process behind it. Sure. Um, but generally, for a lot of academic studies, when they look at Star Wars, they begin and end with the films. Um, because it's super easy to watch the films, you know, you don't have to go and bankrupt yourself buying a ton of books or computer games or comics or anything like that. You sit, you watch film, done. But... I my starting point with it was to, to simply just look at the films is to miss you know a huge amount of stuff that's 100%. super important that the fans are really invested in and are interacting with history and politics and various events in exactly the same way that or or kind of in different ways that the films are but you know they they're not approaching it from a from a completely different standpoint that they're, they're trying to utilize real world stuff in exactly the same way that George Lucas was with with A New Hope. So I wanted to write something that took it all you know, the books, the old expanded universe legends stuff, the current canon, the computer games, the comics as much as I could, random tabletop games, um, TV shows and the like, because I wanted to show that all of it counts and it all feeds into each other. You know, the, the, the line between what goes into a film and what appears in a book is so heavily blurred that you know stuff goes backwards and forwards from it. You know, George Lucas can say i unrepe- repeatedly did that, you know, I'm not influenced by what happens in the books, but he's still named Coruscant Coruscant. Um, yep. he still used Dathomir and the like. You know, that, that turnstile isn't as, as fixed as George Lucas might might want us to think it was. Um And the 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 overarching kind of mission objective was with the book was to go, okay, so we take the films, we take the books, we take the TV shows, we take everything. And then we try and answer the question: when Star Wars speaks to us, what is it trying to say? Sure. What are the messages that it's trying to put across, whether or not it comes on the film or on the page? And I think the only way you can answer that is by Gathering up as much of the material as you possibly can and saying, if it's got a Star Wars badge on it, it counts. And collectively, we begin to see patterns emerge and we begin to see, you know, distinct moments and distinct eras within publishing, within the films that speak to very specific real world things, whether or not it's happening, you know thousand years ago with the fall of Rome, or five years ago with the fall of the Soviet Union, or now with the war on terror. All of it is drawing on stuff. And when you put it all together, it's it's actually quite a convincing collection of material. And yeah. it it speaks about really interesting stuff.
0: Well, one, I agree with you on on all that. I think um the thing that I've learned and seen from reading books, watching movies watching TV, things like that is so much of what we see, whether it's subliminal or meant to be right there in our face, is the perspective of the writer. Yes. It's the perspective of what they see, what they think. And then it's not so much of a you will think the same way I think. It's here's my thoughts, take yeah. them as you will. And and I read into in the in the first half of your book, I I read so much into it to where I thought, there are certain things where I definitely see where this is coming from. But at the same time, I, I can see them in a different way. Not, yeah. not to say that they're, you know, cut in stone by these authors or by the directors, but I can see where they're going and I can go, okay, they're correlating it to this, but yes. in my life. And when I grew up, th- this is what I'm correlating it to. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I really like, I really like where you're going with this couple quick questions. One, um, Mark Newbold. Do you know Mark Newbold? Have you met Mark Newbold? And the only reason I'm asking I is because, I met him. like every American, I think everybody in England knows each other. And Mark's <laughs> Mark's in England. And I will tell you what: if there's a nicer person, I haven't met him. um Well, maybe maybe Steve Glosson and Scott Rife and Adam Brave. But th- that's another story for another time. Mark Newbold is he's in England. He works for StarWars.com, Star Wars Insider. Oh, He'd cool. Run, He's run the podcast stage the last few times at um, Celebration, but what I'd like to do is if you haven't met him, if you don't know him, obviously Star Wars Celebration you're, you know, was coming up next year in England, yeah, I'd love I'm to excited. get you two together because I think you two would have a grand conversation, uh, so don't mind me. I'm going to connect you offline with him because Mark's just a great guy, and he runs Tracks, the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you should definitely get yourself on there because they have a great following, and they do a great job. Um, so that was my first question. My second question was um, about how long do you think, because this took a lot of research, how sure. long
1: did it take you to write this book? So I signed the contract for it in May 2017. Um, wow. And um, obviously we are now five years later. And it's not May 2017 anymore. Um, <laughs> now some of it took a reasonable amount of time and as I, you know, made clear to my publishers at various points, this is not my fault that this book is late. Um, but if you think about where we were in May 2017, uh, the sequel trilogy hasn't finished yet, mm-hmm. um, and I couldn't, we couldn't release a book before that had finished because if, you know, I we had no idea how it was going to end. Um, if it had come out and massively contradicted everything that I'd said in the book, then they're just, you know, they're going to pulp it, and I, I don't, I, I'm not emotionally secure enough to watch somebody pulp my book. Um, <laughs> And um, so obviously we were kind of waiting around for for, you know, Lucasfilm to finish releasing the sequel trilogy. And Rise of Skywalker got delayed like two or three times and pushed back at various points. Um, and then, um, you know, there was uh, the pandemic happened and various archives closed, which means I couldn't get in and look at various books I wanted to. Um, but actually all kind of came together quite nicely because um, as an offshoot of that because of the delay and then me going to the British Library, that's how I got contacted by DK in like 2019 or 2020 um, for it. But a lot of the, basically the, the entirety of the expanded Universe Legends stuff I already owned and had previously read, so I didn't have to kind of go back and go right we'll begin with Air to the Empire mm-hmm. and you know then start going through all of the books in kind of chronological order and like so most of the research for that was already done and existed in my Head. Um, and as a result, was the easiest research project of my life because I was like, I, I need to double check on something. Well, yes, yeah, so I'll just go upstairs then. Um, and you know, <laughs> put it off of a bookshelf rather than you know having to get on a train to London or something. Um, so that was that was super easy and and kind of uh useful. But most of the actual writing for the book didn't happen until last year. I spent a lot of time kind of thinking about it and planning out in my head, and obviously all of the new Disney stuff was you know, brand new. I had to, you know, I watched, um, uh, you know, the the finale of Rebels and read the, you know, the Chuck Wendig's Aftermath books and Alexander Freed's mm-hmm. Alphabet Squadron books and all of those kind of bits and pieces. Eventually I had to draw a line um, and I had to draw a line before my publisher drew a line, I think, um, because, you know, you could go on forever. Um, so yeah, most of the writing took place last year, but it's been a, it's been a kind of an ongoing thing in the background, for yeah for about five years so having it out in the world now is is i mean i'm very tired um but Um, it's just great
0: (laughs) well i so uh, you know again i screwed up on the the publishing date for everyone who's listening right now the the history and politics of star wars death stars and democracy it's out now yes i was lucky enough because chris sent me a copy so i could study i didn't get all my studying done but if you're listening you need to go buy this book if you just want to compare real world and Star Wars and how it kind of intertwines. So, I'll tell you what. Before we go to the next question on the book, we always ask these kind of questions for people. So, what brought you into Star Wars?
1: So, Star Wars had kind of been a you know, a, a, I imagine with a lot of people, it'd been like a thing in it existed in my life. Um, mm-hmm. So, like the old the original trilogy were on the TV over here in England, and we you know taped them on VHS, and you know I'd watch them to death. Although we didn't have we didn't have the Empire Strikes Back and I find that really weird um, but I was also <laughs> saying to somebody the other day I have no memory of not knowing that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father I got cheated of my Empire Strikes Back moment and I'm so annoyed about it it's so frustrating <laughs> I'd love to erase that knowledge from my brain and go back and, and watch it again um, but you know I played like some Star Wars computer games and the like but I think the, the kind of the crystallizing moment for me was that I went on holiday to florida when i was maybe about i don't know 13 14 years old and in downtown disney there they used to have a big virgin mega store um and i went in there and i saw on the shelf uh, this book called um star wars Spectre of the past mm-hmm. by timothy zahn and i went in. i like books i like star wars i'll buy it and i'll read it and just you know ate it up in like 15 minutes because it was great and that was it then I was I was getting all of the expanded universe stuff. I was buying um I bought a computer game which over in America I think was called Rebellion, but over here it's mm-hmm. called Supremacy, which is a real-time strategy game, which I love, continue to love with my whole heart. Um, and I just kind of descended deeper and deeper and deeper into Star Wars. Um and yeah, so since about kind of 13, 14 years old was the moment when I kind of had my full Star Wars expanded universe moment.
0: No, no worries. That's a great story. I, um, I also, you know, I grew up with the original trilogy, so I was lucky. I was blessed to have that. But um, obviously, the Thrawn trilogy brought me back to Star Wars in such a huge way. Um, and I was lucky enough that earlier this year, I was at an event. Um, we were doing our podcast at an event called the ICC Con in Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, sitting right there was Timothy Zahn signing books.
1: Oh, that's really cool.
0: And I didn't bring any of my books with me, so I went bought a Timothy Zahn book, and walked up to him and said, "Mr. Zahn, here's my story." Blah blah blah. He signed it right there for me. Took pictures with me. I, it was like starstruck, right? Because yeah. you know, here's a guy who's just meant so much to the Star Wars community. Um, I, a quick story, and everybody, all, all of our listeners have heard it, but I actually wrote a handwritten letter to timothy's on after heir to the empire so in 1991 and he actually wrote a handwritten letter back to me
1: that's pretty cool
0: and then my dad while we were moving threw it away
1: oh (laughs) So,
0: so so um love my dad i understand he doesn't like star wars that's okay but to be able to go and meet him take a picture with him and have him sign a book it it made up for it so that's
1: super. Cool. I'd like, I'm. I. I kind of hope he's coming to because I'm. I imagine we all are. Quite. Quite a lot of us going to celebration in England next year, which is pretty convenient. Um, he wasn't at LA, which was my first Star Wars celebration. Um, but I. I yeah, I kind of hope that he'll come to to the London one because I'd be super tempted to get him to sign my copy of Battles That Changed the Galaxy. Oh. In that sense of you know I read your book and then X amount of years <laughs> later I got to write an official Star Wars book. I um, guarantee
0: he would do that. He's a great guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. I kind of hope that that would happen.
0: So um, we'll bounce back to the book. Your first, your first segment of the book for say for a safe and secure society about totalitarianism. Cash, that's hard to say. Imperialism <laughs> and the Emperor. Give us like a thirty thousand foot view of what your thoughts were on on this chapter or segment of the book.
1: So I think this is not only the most important chapter in the book. I think it's the most important aspect of Star Wars. Um, that if you're talking about like Star Wars is real world, historical and political, and you know stuff that they borrow from our world, um, the Galactic Empire is the most important part of Star Wars because it's the part that is the most stable, but also the most flexible. The Galactic Empire evolves to be whatever Star Wars needs it to be Mm -hmm. in any particular time period. So, you know, it can be America in Vietnam. It can be the Soviet Union in the kind of the 1980s. It can be the post-Soviet Union in the 1990s. It can be America during the War on Terror. It can be the Nazis. It can be the British Empire. It can be anything that the writers want it to be. And because everybody understands what the Empire is, you know, the the, the rules about the Empire don't really change. You know, they're bad guys, they have Star Destroyers. The emperor's not a great human being, but he shoots lightning from his hands. So that's kind of cool. Um, You know, all of these aspects of it that Mm -hmm. the Empire, um, to kind of use a metaphor, is like the sun to everything else around Star Wars orbits. um, And therefore is the most interesting and the most important aspect. And... What I think is quite new um, that I've done in the book is through the expanded universe, looked at that 1990s period and up until kind of the early 2000s, um, when all you're really getting is the expanded universe books. And then you obviously get prequel books, the prequel films towards the end of the nineties. But the way that the Galactic Empire mirrors up with kind of ongoing cultural ponderings in America about well, the Soviet Union's gone. So I guess we won then, but also you know, we've got this post-Soviet Russia and we're worried, you know, there might be like an ultra-nationalist group in Russia with like a nuclear weapon and that would be, you know, that would be scary. And you go, well, America says that. And then you get a film like Air Force One with Harrison Ford, which is exactly <laughs> about that. And then you get um, a book like, or like the Jedi Academy trilogy, um, which is entirely about that. Um, you know, this super ideologue, Admiral Dalla, and she's got a super weapon as well. And these these things just repeat themselves over and over again. And I just think it's fascinating the way that the empire continues to exist and breathe in these historical spaces.
0: You know, I, a couple things from that, because I, I did, I got to dig deep into that chapter. One, I like all the things you kind of coincided with it. I think, you know, obviously for Americans, this is going to sound, please don't take this the wrong way. But for Americans, <laughs> uh, a lot of the times you, you think of um, Great Britain as the, as yes. the empire before the American Revolution. Uh, you you sit there and you go, oh my gosh, they had colonies, they had their hand in everything. It was their way. You were, you know, you were under the, you were their subject, they had no rule, right? I mean, so that's yeah. one extra layer that I looked I was like, you know, even looking further back, that was something that stood out. But then living in America today and, and being old enough to know what it was like uh, to go through um, I missed Vietnam, I was born during the Vietnam era, but seeing the time frame uh, of the first Persian Gulf War, and then seeing the war on terror start, something that kicked into my head was, you know, I am I lean one way or the other on politics, so we don't have to get into that, but I will say the government in general, by doing that, that safer but secure government where we're going to oh we're going to give you all this safety but we're going to take this away from you and and so that really stuck out to me and that you know those things not only the things you brought up but those two things stood out to me on on that first chapter there as well so but you're right sticks very much to regular world stuff right there so
1: there's a really interesting book again about um, kind of history in style was that your, your your listeners might like called um, The Empire Triumphant by uh, Kevin Whatmore Jr. It's a really, really good book. I like it a lot. Um, and his examination of the Empire was, again, largely focused around the films. But he made a really interesting argument, which was how imperial is the Galactic Empire in the films? You know, if we think about your example of the British Empire it has lots of colonies, has lots of space. But does the Empire have any of that? Do we know? <laughs> um, you know, we're told you, obviously the empire is bad, but what what makes the empire imperial? Um, you know, in its in its sense, other than just a big bad government. Um and what you end up seeing um, again, through parts of the expanded universe, but weirdly, or not so weirdly, super interestingly now in the Disney elements is exactly how imperial and colonial the empire is. They're constantly looking over at the next door neighbors and going, mm-hmm. we really like your stuff. <laughs> So it might be our stuff now, um, and you see it—you know—you see it in Solo, you see it in Rebels, mm-hmm. you see it in um, in a variety of material, and that yes. is a is a super interesting element. I, of... I
0: think you brought it up that during the time of the prequels, when you went into Tatooine, there's no Imperial presence. No. So by the time you get to the original trilogy, the Empire's got it. Yeah presence at Tatooine so. so
1: you know are they just do they just happen to be there because the um you know they're, they're hunting for, for Luke Skywalker but if we now include Kenobi in it <clears throat> it doesn't appear that the Empire is in control of Tatooine at that point but by a new hope well maybe they are when everyone right. seems to be partying in the streets at the end of Return of the Jedi so maybe Tatooine has been absorbed as a, as a colony of the Empire yep. um which is a really kind of interesting time scale on it Nope,
0: I like it. We'll hop we'll hop back off the book real quick. <laughs> Do you have a favorite movie or show of the Star Wars universe?
1: Um, so I'm going to be greedy with the movies because I have, I, I, basically, I have a favorite of each trilogy, and I find right. it very hard to to split them up. So, you know, I, I I imagine like a lot of people, I I love, I really like the Empire Strikes Back. I find it super interesting and super compelling, and I for any number of reasons, but I, I like the fact that. It does. It does a film backwards. You know, the the big battle scene is at the beginning, rather than you know, you're not building towards like a big land battle on Hoth or anything like that. So I love, I love those aspects. And again, for getting a, a little bit of an inside look into the Empire, um, I really like Revenge of the Sith um, from the the prequel trilogy. Um, you know, it's not it's not an uplifting film, um, uh, but you know, it's it's a it's a fun, interesting film, and it, it gives us something that you know everybody had been waiting for for mm-hmm. twenty or thirty odd years for. Um, to see the the fall of the Republic. And I really like The Last Jedi. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed The Last Jedi. I know it's not for everybody, but, you know, there's an element of every part. You know, there's always parts of Star Wars that aren't for everybody. It's, you know, everybody doesn't have to like the same things. But I really liked The Last Jedi. I don't, I came out of the cinema and I saw it at midnight over here. and I just spent days thinking about it, like a long time thinking about that film um, and leaving the cinema thinking, because if you take into the, into account the prequels, we all know where the prequels were going. It wasn't going to be like a shock when Darth Vader, you know, lost mm-hmm. lig- you know limbs and got into the big suit. Leaving after the last Jedi, going, I genuinely don't know what Star Wars is going to be next. And yeah. that I, I found that super cool. Um, so all three of those um, all three of those films were were really good, and I really enjoyed them. I like Rebels a lot. Oh, yeah. Um I like. I always find it interesting when kind of people start watching the Star Wars TV shows because they actually all follow a very similar formula of the first season is generally quite compacted, you know, a couple of the characters, it's often an element of, you know, adventure of the week stuff. So you bed in and get to know everybody and then you start moving further and further out into the wider galactic picture. By the end of which of you know season four of Rebels, you know, you've had Darth Vader, you've got the Emperor, you've got Grand Admiral Thrawn, there's a bunch <laughs> of stuff going on, which you know, I like that exposure as the get as the characters move out into the galaxy. And I think you've got it in the Mandalorian as well. I'm pretty sure we're going to get it in Andor. Um, possibly I you know, if we get another episode or another season of the, the Book of Boba Fett. Um, but yeah, um, I'm super hyped for Andor. I imagine that if we have this conversation in like three or oh, four yeah. months' time. Andor is going to feature fairly prominently on my very much enjoyed that list. Kenobi I, I, was great yeah. right as well. I I loved Kenobi. That was that was tremendous fun.
0: Well, good that that we you know we uh, I think we're all really excited for Andor just because we felt like you know the, the build up for it twenty four episodes over two seasons. And then just seeing the trailer, the preview, how cinematic it looks. Yeah. Um, it, it felt Star Wars y, right? It just felt like you were in that that universe right there. I, I also like your point on um, rebels because um, you know, our, our group, our podcast group, we obviously we all we all really enjoy, I think except for Brent. Um, everybody here really enjoys Clone Wars, but Rebels stands out to us because. Clone Wars, you had these established characters and established kind of setup where now we're just fraying off and adding little things to them, giving you some backstory. Rebels yeah. was brand new. Had to, yeah, occasionally somebody showed up, but really the story was about this put together family, right? Yes. And, and to make that risk and that, that jump and say, we're going to try this and for it to end up four seasons later being what it ended up being, you know, I think 20 years from now, There are going to be people who are, you know, like, this was my Star Wars, this is my Star Wars, right? And we always talk about different entry points, but I think, surprisingly, Rebels is going to be a huge entry point for a lot of people that, like I said, 20 years from now, at conventions, they're going to be saying, look how big the contingency of Rebels
1: fans are from that little four-season show, so... I mean, it was super cool watching people cosplaying rebels in in Anaheim. Um, I mean, you know, it was my mm-hmm. first celebration, everything was super cool. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, with a jet lag, as, as you know, as soon as I accepted it was constantly 4 a.m., regardless of what my watch told me. Um, but you know, there were you know, there, there were a lot of awesome cosplayers. But yeah, watching people, you know, cosplaying as rebels, that's you know, it's people say, oh, cool. it's an animated kids show. It's like, well, it's it's not. None, you know, Clone Wars so certainly isn't an animated kids show. It, no. It's pretty dark in there. <laughs> um And yeah, you know, it moved people, and what's not to love about that? Yep, exactly. Star Wars, in my opinion,
0: it's about the fight of good versus evil, and it's about family, and I think Rebels hit hit on all those points right there. So, part two, chapter two, uh, how liberty dies. Obviously, we know that uh, Padme says that, or uh, you know, Queen Amidala. Oh, I'm sorry, Senator Amidala says that (laughs) in the movie. republics democracy and fall of civilization give us a a, again a big overview of that segment right there
1: so this this chapter basically focuses on um how does star wars portray democracies or you know the alternative to a totalitarian state whether it's like the old republic or you know the new republic of the expanded universe or the new republic of the of the the sequel trilogy um and the overarching message that is the delivered is it doesn't work um democracies <laughs> in star wars never function um they are always bureaucratic and isolated and corrupt and ripe for you know manipulation or take over by some kind of nefarious sith lord or fascist in waiting um star wars presents like, like a weirdly bleak view of actual democracy um and i think i think the main issue that it flags up Is So when you get, um, if we go to like the the prequel trilogy, you know, you've got Anakin and Obi-Wan facing off against each other in in Mustafa and Obi-Wan Kenobi goes, Anakin, my my allegiance is to the Republic, to democracy, which sounds great, you know, it's a lovely, lovely soundbite. There are no elections. in the Star Wars
0: universe
1: <laughs> what democracy is he talking about um yeah. Senator Ramadala got, pro- got appointed as a senator after she finished being queen by the the next queen so mm-hmm. who is actually electing any of these people and you end up with exactly the same in the expanded universe of of the, the new republic um you know an ongoing character of those expanded universe books is Borsk failure who when you pronounce his name like that, is perfectly named. Oh yeah, because um, but he—it doesn't matter how many times he screws stuff up, or you know how many times he you know blocks something from happening, which is a you know a net good thing. There doesn't appear to be any consequence because did who voted for him? Who's continuing to vote for him? He ends up leading the galaxy at one point, right? who's making these decisions there is you know the the the, the republics are a democracy apparently in name only there is no participation in them and as a result they always collapse
0: well i again reading this one some different things pop into my head so i'll just throw these out there one i love the movie angels and demons i love the book first but the movie's good as well Um, i actually like the book better but that's neither here nor there yeah but but one of the key statements that i loved about that movie and i and i'm roman catholic i come from the roman catholic church you know so for me watching these movies they're much more based on an entertainment factor instead of a religious factor but watching that movie when when the the uh, cardinal turned to robert langdon and said religion is flawed because man is flawed and i look at that in government as well i look at it and say government is flawed because you have humans and humans they're either going to have evil things or they're going to make mistakes or things like that. So I, I think this, this chapter right here really stood out to me on that. I also like, you know, and I don't know it word for word, but Ronald Reagan gave a speech while, while he was running for office. And one of his speeches was, you know, we're only one step away from losing our, our democracy, our republic, and and it's not going to fall from the outside. It's right. going to fall from the inside, right? And, and being a person that lives in the United States right now, you look at it and you go, okay, well, you can see some of these things and it doesn't matter which aisle side of the aisle it's on, you know, we, we sit there and we go, how come somebody's in office for the next 40 years? Once they've been elected for office, why, why shouldn't someone else given a chance, right? Yeah. Well, you mention it, who keeps electing these people? I don't care which side of the aisle, aisle you're on. If somebody's at 40 doing this office, why at 80, are they still doing it? There's got to be somebody else who could have done something better or tried something new in that time frame. But but it seems to be a human and, and Star Wars related thing to where all these ca- things kind of come together. And you, I'm looking at it in real life what what they're saying and what you're showing in, in the Star Wars universe.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I find is interesting. I mean, it has to be kind of caveated that some of this, you know, the the, the constant issues with democracy is. Is important for telling a story because no one's gonna you know go out and buy a book which is Star Wars going, there's an existential threat. It turns out there's a Sith Lord and he's got a super <laughs> weapon, but it's all right because the government is functioning perfectly, it's a well-oiled machine, we're gonna take care of it before lunch. Um, that's that's not that's not fun, no one wants to read that. Um, but it's interesting because you know your point about democracy being lost from within is exactly George Lucas's point, and he makes it repeatedly about the prequels that democracies are given away by the people into mm-hmm. you know isn't overthrown there isn't a coup or anything like that people willingly give it away to people that they shouldn't give it to and so um, many times
0: it's to the person that does that is charismatic and does have that smile that people think oh well look at this knight look at palpatine look yeah. at this nice person that we can all trust and he's been doing this for so long he has to know what he's doing right I yeah mean,
1: what a guy he calls yeah. everyone friend he's always <laughs> laughing he loves democracy um <laughs> what a great guy, why wouldn't you? I mean, at the beginning of the, the Revenge of the Sith novel, which is basically a, a poetry novel within two hardback um, bindings, <laughs> um, it talks about how much Palpatine is loved um, yeah. by the people of of, of the galaxy. Um, so you have this kind of fear of it being given away. I mean, you know, as far as George Lucas is concerned, the, the greatest villain to ever walk the, the earth is Richard Nixon. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's that motivates a lot of his fear. But I find it It's super interesting that George Lucas's standpoint is, you know, democracy is precious, it has to be protected, it cannot be allowed to be given away to fascists. But he never actually presents a vision of what (laughs) a good democracy looks like. (laughs) It's like, well, you know, at least give us five minutes of it it looking shiny, George, before you (laughs) set fire to
0: it. Let's face it, he grew up in a time in the 60s where, you know, everything was against the man, right? We're against the man. So in the next section we've got built on hope and and honestly um our group in the rule of the galaxy crew we love rogue one and yeah. and to hear jen Erso say you know they're they're you know it's built on hope right i mean and then have star wars be the new hope you know luke and 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 so forth uh i, I love this it's about rebellion resistance and the depiction of warfare so Hop into that one. Tell us a little bit about that chapter right there.
1: Well, I mean, there's an element, you know, this is slightly returning to my First World War roots of, of like, we're going to have to have a chapter in here about wars and conflict <laughs> and battles and the like, oh, otherwise I'm just going to have to clock out. Um, <laughs> so this chapter is uh, effectively about, partly about, you know, what is the Rebel Alliance? What do we understand about the Rebel Alliance? You know, what are they rebelling against? What is it that they're trying to produce in in, in the place of the Galactic Empire? But it's also about the way that war and conflict has changed in the way that it's been portrayed um, within, within Star Wars and the like. Um, you know, I said earlier on, you know, we're told that the Empire is bad and therefore it is to be rebelled against, you know, very early in A New Hope. But it's not ever really explained what it is that the rebels are going to put in its place in, certainly not in the first film or even in The Empire Strikes Back. It only appears in Return of the Jedi where they are actually getting rid of the Empire is or the Emperor is the overarching goal here. You know, once we get rid of him, then we can dismantle the whole the whole system. Um, so I find that as a kind of a starting point, super interesting. But what I found really interesting is if you compare like that original trilogy and the expanded universe and the like, with what Disney are producing now is Disney's vision of warfare and conflict. And I think, you know, if you go to the aftermath books, but particularly Alexander Freed's Alphabet Squadron and Rogue One—it's mm-hmm. a bleak, grim, damaging thing to participate in. You know, even on, if you're on the winning side and you're, you know, you're, you're fighting for a just cause as the rebels, simply participating in this warfare is emotionally and physically damaging to you. These people are coming out of it as, you know, scarred, emotionally damaged individuals, um, and that was never really the case in the expanded universe. I mean, you've got moments in like the X-Wing novels where, you know, someone would die and everyone would be sad, but then, you know, they'd have a party, always Janssen would make a joke and then everyone would be happy again. (laughs) Um, You know, there was never kind of any long going, you know, shell shock or PTSD elements to to the fighters because, you know, they were fighting the good fight, you know, whatever sacrifice they made was worth it. And the people in Rogue One and Alexander Freed's novels, you know, are also making sacrifices, but they're also questioning whether or not it's worth it. And they're doing some pretty grim stuff. Um, You know, Cassian Andor, the the first time we meet him, just guns a guy down in an an alleyway because Mm -hmm. he needs to escape. And this guy's a liability Um, in the. The 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 spin off to. the first Battlefront game, which was about um Idem versio and I've temporarily forgotten what the unit is called. Um it's not Shadow Squadron, it's 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 something else. Um but they're talking, you know, they have infiltrated the survivors of um, Saw um resistance fighters, and they're calling themselves the Dreamers. They're using suicide bombs and they're targeting civilians. You know, it's a very <laughs> different view of right. rebellion, and I find that really interesting, the way that that's changed over time. And the things that they draw upon so you know, the historical examples or the real world examples they go, they draw upon, you know, in the 1990s or, or now to go, you know, this is the vision of warfare that we are going to to give you. And, you know, there are reasons behind it, but this is what we want you to understand about this particular war at this particular time.
0: It's, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, it's um, to think of just looking at warfare and looking at there's always there's always a group that that's trying to like you said dismantle and and take things over but i think it's perfectly well done or illustrated by politicians to where politicians do the same thing i'm going to give you a 30 second commercial and i'm going to tell you why my opponent is so bad yeah and and they're you know kissing babies, shaking hands but what are, what are they going to do that's going to be yeah. different and, and then th- what correct correct i mean that's That When you were talking about that, it just popped right in my head to think that's exactly what I see when it's we're going to make it better. Well, it's great. How? How are you going to make it better? And oh, by the way, how does that affect all the rest of us? Because these tough decisions that these people are making that are battling, fighting that good fight, they've got to make these tough decisions to get us to that next step. That next step better be worth the life and the breath that they put in to that battle, right? Yeah. So. When I yeah. was
1: finishing this book, uh, you know, it, there's always stuff going on in the background. But one of the, you know, the things going on in the background when I was finishing writing it was the the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan, the mm-hmm. fall of Kabul. Um, and, you know, you, you come back to that, you know, OK, you're going to do a thing. And then what? What is the plan for once right. you have done this thing? Because if there isn't one in 20 years time. We're yeah. back to exactly where we started. We, um, we are. We are. Uh... And yeah I wouldn't be surprised to start seeing that appear in Star Wars media in the not too distant future because it's just ripe for a conversation about i don't know if they start doing sequel era stuff about the rise of the first order if you you know if you did not do x, then given enough time, y will happen well, i uh, yeah, yeah I, wait think, and see, I reckon i think I think there's always something
0: to fill that vacuum right yeah um whether it's whether it's a terrorist group, whether it's um, a, a leader of a country that is not looking at other people in a proper way, right? I mean, it, there, there's there's somebody out there who always wants to say, well, what what can I grab a hold of and yes. what can I do? And so it's it's um yeah, I mean that's really scary to think about. And and let's face it, being being that I grew up with the first you know uh, attacks going on or the first war in the Middle East, and you're thinking, okay look, you know, that, that was when I was 18, 19, 20 years old. And yeah. here it was being 30 and 40 years old. Like, wait a minute. Didn't I thought we did that already. Yeah. Wasn't that something that we did? It's just like the First World War and the Second World War. Hey, yeah. let's have the war to end all wars. Oh, wait a minute. 20 years later, we're, we're just repeating that again, right? I mean, yeah. it's just, so yeah. That's good to
1: go again. Is that, <laughs> we've all agreed? Okay, Because <laughs> I have
0: plans. <laughs> I mean, let's face it we should, you know, if we follow along in the the patterns of what's going on, we should be having another round sometime. I mean, not that I want that to happen, but that's just human nature and that's what happens. So yeah, it's never um, a great
1: time to be a historian. (laughs)
0: Lots, lots and stuff to write about. Keepers of the peace, not soldiers. Great line, great line from the movie. Jedi, the force and the complicated morality of intrastate operatives right yeah okay that just rolls off the tongue doesn't it yes no no i look like i said reading writing it's not my thing i just i just come up here and talk um but i you know great thing i i go back to the prequels and i'll let you obviously talk about this chapter but the the things that go through the minds of the jedi especially you see obi-wan now in that ptsd afterwards in the Kenobi series and and to think here was a guy who was like hey i i am i'm just here to keep the peace i'm not here to go lead all these men off to war i'm not here to battle i'm here to make things better what, you know and then what are the results and what are what are the after effects of that so i'll let you run with this one on chapter 4 keepers of the peace not soldiers
1: so yeah this this one is about the jedi and the way that they've been portrayed and ways that we can understand their actions and the like through it and what i find interesting about The Jedi is obviously, you know, again the rules of Star Wars I was talking about earlier. You know, Empire are the bad guys, Rebel are the good guys, and the Jedi are the super good guys. Um, (laughs) You know, they use the light side of the Force, um, they act, you know, for peace and justice in the old Republic before the dark times and all that stuff. The problem with that is, is the question: Are they really? Uh, Are the Jedi that great? Um, You know, we get Luke Skywalker's critique of them in in the Last Jedi, but what I find interesting about a Jedi is when we go back to the prequel trilogy and then we get you know if we roll in clone Wars because in George Lucas's head it's all it's all there yeah. and he's very much involved in clone Wars and we get the the corruption and the collapse of the Jedi morality um you know the the, the war that they get become embroiled in that you know they become generals they become soldiers which is everything they're not supposed to be um, and George Lucas describes uh, the Jedi um, and it, I think I quote him in the book as saying that they're supposed to be like peacekeepers. You know, they're they're warrior monks, but they're not supposed to go out there and fight people. They're supposed to go out there and through politics and negotiation, make things good and make things better. Right. But all of that exists within the confines of the of the Republic. You know, they are a branch of the Republic government and therefore they act. Through the orders and the interests of the state and you know at various points Obi-Wan says to various people or Qui-Gon you know Obi-Wan says it to, to Anakin you know we can't go beyond our mandate you know these are the rules that have been given to us by the Republic and you know to an extent that works within the Republic but it also means that your your goodness your altruism your 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 virtue stops at the water's edge um and if you cross the road <laughs> into the, you know, the street next door um you might not necessarily act in a way that is good and and virtuous. And I think if we look at the Phantom Menace, you know, this is before Palpatine's, you know, come to power before we started doing all his manipulations and like Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon arrive on Tatooine, it's not in the Republic, they discover this slave boy and his mother and turns out slave boy's super strong in the force and Qui-Gon's like, didn't come here to rescue slaves, So doesn't, (laughs) Um, you know, he buys Anakin, but there's no suggestion that he's like, you know, I'll find a way to to, to do a good thing and bring your mother along because, you know, taking another person out of slavery is a good thing. You're not in the Republic. So guess my hands are tied. That's a very peculiar moral starting point, Qui-Gon.
0: I think, I think we see that. That's one of the things that uh, some of our, our uh group talks about is just like that part right there and then in the last jedi when rose is so worried about letting those creatures go but yeah. the the kids that are down there that are getting whipped by the guy we, we we're good we let the creatures go so just they're fine you know but yeah. you're right qui-gon did the same thing hey i'm that's out of my hands man i'm not here for that i'm i got no. other things to do um yeah, I I love the I love the idea of the the warrior monks. Um, you know, again, coming from a Catholic background, you look and you say, okay, uh, how much in past history were were priests and monks and people like that out there to help with society? Right? They were out there to do good things and bring people together. Yeah. Now you throw lightsabers in their hands, right? I yeah. mean, <laughs> okay, so now we're going to another level here. But but yeah, it's it's such a tough thing, and, and let's face it i think was it the bane novels the darth bane novels where they were originally on their own and then because they they went into a battle that the the um the at that time chancellor Valorum, like Valorum's great-grandfather or whatever or some future distant you know uh he put in rules hey no you got to follow we do you're part of the republic now yes and and so then then they got their hands tied a little bit more but before that they were just like superheroes and you watch in the marvel universe think about that with the the the, the winter soldier and how the the avengers were fighting each other right because yeah. oh, oh now the nations are saying hey you can go save everybody but don't destroy that building or you can yeah, go yeah, save yeah. everybody but oh that person accidentally died while you were saving those hundred over there yes the jedi kind of got caught up in that same
1: that yeah, same mix did. right there And what then becomes super interesting, uh, again, through the kind of the 1990s expanded universe period, is that you get real world things happening like, um, so if we consider that, you know, the Jedi are United Nations peacekeepers, effectively, you know, outside of their mandate, they can't do diddly. Um, But if they're given something to do, they can go away and and do it. During the 1990s, we get the Rwandan genocide, we get the massacre at Srebrenica, um, both of which... The UN United Nations do not come out of at all well, particularly not at Srebrenica, where they basically stood and watched because it getting involved would have been outside their mandate and they misunderstood various things that was going on. But then in the expanded universe, you get things like uh, the Yavitha genocide um, and um, you get things like uh, the New Rebellion with, um, with Dolph, um, where you get, you know, in-world genocides mm-hmm. and people within it go point at the Republic and particularly the Jedi and go, where were you? When we needed you to come and save us, to protect us, you were all stood on the sideways going, getting involved in a war is a messy business. Um, I don't know, necessarily know if we want to do it. You know, we've got we've got polling data to think about. You know, we, we, uh. we're enjoying being at peace. So maybe we shouldn't get involved. And you can't read those books without going. There is a critique of the real world right now going on in here. And it's very pointed and it's very well done
0: you 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 bring up some good points the the martez sisters in the in the clone wars bringing up yeah. how their their parents died because of some yeah. actions some jedi were doing now the jedi obviously did not kill their parents but no in the actions of trying to stop something else they were taken out so to them the jedi are looked at as not be pe- not people they want to be around or trust or anything else
1: where we were because, you when we needed you
0: correct yeah i mean there's there's things we looked at on that all the way around you're 100% right um before we get into the last two real quick here we asked this question of everybody who comes on as a guest Uh, we started this because we were joking saying that count dooku's hilt on his lightsaber was odd (laughs) and how he he did his fencing with his pinky out and one-handed we joked about who would want to buy captain dooku's or count dooku's Lightsaber at Disney, for example. Yeah. And, and then we started going, well, wait a minute. Now that we've read these books about Count Dooku, now that we've seen this audio, we heard this audiobook about Count Dooku, we've gone deeper into his backstory. He's kind of a, there's kind of some really cool things about this character. But with that, we ask everybody who, who has your favorite hilt when it comes to a Star Wars lightsaber hilt?
1: So, um, I mean, t- firstly, I would buy Count Dooku's uh, <laughs> lightsaber at Disney. Um, I, you, you might remember back in, like, again, it was about the time that the prequels were coming out. Um, Master Replicas had um, the, the license to do Star Wars lightsabers. Um, and I got Darth Vader's, I got Darth Maul's. And the answer to your question, whose lightsaber hilt would I most like? I like the Emperor's. I think it's a really interesting design. Um, I think, that, you know, the fact that there isn't an, an on button on it. Um, and, you know, it's triggered through use of the force to therefore, you know, have an element of plausible deniability. Wow. Um, but I think because he has he has multiple lightsabers which have different designs. He's got the, you know, the gold one that he uses to carve everybody up in his office in um, Revenge of the Sith. Um, but then when he fights um, Yoda at the end of that film, it's black. The, you know, the, the metal on it is has, has turned black. So it's a different aspect of his of his personality. Um, and you know the ostentatious kind of I like gold shiny things because I like power but also I like dressing in black because I'm a Sith Lord and you know that's (laughs) that's our color chart Um, but what I find interesting and this I don't think this made it into the book there were all sorts of things that didn't make it into the book Um, but historically speaking I think the fact that uh, Palpatine's first lightsaber that we see is gold-plated at the same time that we see the likes of saddam hussein and his sons having gold-plated ak-47s is probably not a coincidence
0: wow wow interesting interesting oh i'm gonna leave that one as it is right there i think that's (laughs) that's good enough you hit that one right on the head chapter five we don't want them here and that's from the bartender at the cantina correct when the droids come in yeah, so this one, aliens, androids, and far
1: outsiders. I'd love to hear your, your description of this chapter right here. So this chapter is is, a, is one that's slightly kind of set apart from what comes before Agreed. it. So um, yeah. this, you know, it deals with the portrayal of aliens, and it deals with the portrayal of droids, and, you know, the representation of different species, but also um, different you know, human races and the like. Yeah. But this chapter is the end of basically the logical conclusion of what begins the book, which is, you know, the starting argument of the book is Star Wars uses real world history. And here are a bunch of examples about how it does that. But if you start down that road, forever will it dominate your destiny, but also <laughs> um, you have to accept that the real world uses Star Wars. The two have to exist and coexist together. So this chapter is also about how does the real world react to particular things in Star Wars, be it about representation of race or sexuality or gender or concepts of alienness or concepts of humanity and the like. So this this chapter is not just about how does Star Wars use aliens to comment about different racial issues in humanity. It's also about how do the fans react to different types of representation. And as Star Wars has evolved, particularly now in the in the Disney period. Um, into, you know, trying to include different races, different genders, different sexualities, um, different visions of of human and humanity. Um, How does that play out? Um, And, you know, I don't think it will be a shock to anybody listening. I'm kind of as it will be a shock to you you to know there uh, is an element of culture wars that, you know, envelops Star Wars when you start talking about it on the Internet. And some people have very strong views about certain aspects of it. And This chapter is a kind of about, you know, how do the various stakeholders of Star Wars interact with with Star Wars when they see it on the screen, when Star Wars is trying to do new things. Um, And it was important to me to do this chapter, partly because, you know, as you said, right at the beginning, you know, people have to understand they go and watch a Star Wars film. It's not the necessarily the director going, here's what I think you should think this too. It's here's what I think. Do with it what you want to. Um, You know, it's a it's a product of their experience, Um, but there's an element of it that and it's this kind of, you know, don't put politics in Star Wars. Well, you know, the book is basically saying there has always been politics in Star Wars, but it's also saying, and it's fine. Everything has politics in it. You know, nothing is created by some human being who lives in a vacuum bubble who's never Mm -hmm. interacted with the outside world because it would be really, you know, that's going to be a super weird experience for everybody involved. (laughs) And I'm a historian and it's important for me to recognise that I am not existing in a vacuum. I have my own ideas and my own beliefs and my own theories about stuff. I'm as much impacted by cultural pressures as you are, as the listeners are, as a director making a Star Wars book in America, as a writer making a Star Wars book in the UK. And therefore, I can take an element of a stance about it in my analysis and go, you know, this is what I think is happening. Here's the stuff that I think is understandable. Here's the stuff I'm not quite so keen on. But also, this is where I think this process is going. Here's what I think are some of the stakes involved in, you know, a battle for the soul of Star Wars that gets sometimes played out on, on the internet. And I think it's important to look at. And I think it's important to talk about. I, I would agree with you. And, and I
0: might say some things here that maybe some of our listeners will like. Maybe some of them won't like. I, I, I will say this. I am a person you know my you know just in this simple short time. you know my background you know where i'm from i'm i'm a I'm a married man, live in the United States. I come from a Roman Catholic background. I look at the world through my my tinted glasses. This is the way i I've been raised right and 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 your background and your upbringing is is how you are brought up and raised. I would never knock someone for who they are where they came from all those kind of things i don't i don't think that's the right thing to do at all i think we should have our own opinions we should have our own views um i think one of the things that i look at when it comes to this chapter and this segment of it is you know for for example um i i think you know the 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 people at disney that i'm seeing right now that are leading this a lot of times it does feel like there's one path of the way they want to you know they they were like hey we really are feeling strongly about this so we're going to make sure we keep pushing yeah this this narrative that's fine but for being the kind of people who say we're all inclusive we're all we want to bring everything together I don't think it's wrong to have a person who says well you know I I kind of look at things in a different way can we still make a character over here that looks at things maybe a different way because Believe it or not, you know, we just went through huge elections in the US. We saw how split the country was 50 <laughs> 50, right? I mean, it's, it's, you I know, I think I saw some split. of that on the news. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of split things, right? So, but, but there's a lot of times where I feel like Disney in general has said, well, we're going to stick with this 50% over here and we're going to make sure that every bit of our stories feeds into that 50% while the other yeah. 50% is going, I love Star Wars. Can, can you just keep making Star Wars have that 50%, but keep making my star wars too right i mean yeah, it can be a full so church exact. but i i, I just mean, thought none
1: of us work for disney so
0: <laughs> <laughs> why well, there's a there's a good chance you could with these great books you're writing here i mean come on you've got you've i got mean
1: two books that are star wars related that's awesome um i you know i wouldn't i you know if, if disney decide that they you know desperately want to hire me they've got my number um <laughs> but um it's a weird one because you know, lots of people have been asking, particularly after I did Battles That change the Galaxy, is so oh, like an like an official thing? Are you going to do more? I said, like, well, it's not it's not really my decision to make. You know, I would like to do more. DK, no, I would like to do more. Hopefully, in the future, something will something will happen. But what I've kind of been thinking about since you know finishing this book and it's coming out, everybody like you know being super excited about it is that at some point, and to be honest, it's probably happening. You know, this this might be it is that I can I can do analysis of Star Wars as history books like this Mm -hmm. and I can do, you know, official stuff. I don't know if I can do them both. I just don't know if those two things can coexist because, you know, say, you know, something amazing happens, I get to write like five new official Star Wars books and it's, you know, I have a whale of a time and it's great fun. And then in five years time, I release the history and politics of Star Wars (laughs) 2, more Death Stars and and less democracy. And you know, I suddenly go, you know, there's even more history in Star Wars than we than we than we believed. Everybody, people are going to go, well, you're you're citing the books that you wrote. That's oh. not analysis, Chris. <laughs> that's that's talking about stuff that you did. That doesn't count. And at the same time, like I'm then going to have a conversation with Lucasfilm, and they're going to go, that doesn't count. You can't do that. Um, so at some point, I'm going to have to. I'm probably you know, in in the hope that I get to do more official stuff, I'm going to have to pick. Of the two it's probably going to be the official stuff yeah, yeah why wouldn't you
0: well we have a we have a good friend of the show adam bray um he goes as uh, author adam bray on twitter i don't know if you've interacted with him i um, might have done but he's done some dk books he's done uh, some star wars encyclopedias some marvel encyclopedias rebels encyclopedia yeah uh good good guy um but again another person that that you should you should connect with because you guys have a lot of, you, you guys are very detail-oriented, you like to dig into the, the, yeah. the nitty-gritty of it. Um, so yeah, I think that would be good. Um. Last but not least, your conclusion, always in motion, the future is.
1: <laughs> so this was, I mean, this is tricky because it's, I don't know if you've noticed, Disney are releasing a lot of Star Wars stuff. A lot. Um, yeah, which is, you know, a good time to be a fan really bad time if you're trying to wrap up a book um <laughs> of trying to figure out when, you, when the full stop goes so this this is effectively me trying to predict the future um of what i think might happen in you know the, you know the obvious argument is star wars is not going to stop making star wars and therefore star wars is not going to stop making references to the real world and historical stuff it's just going to carry on it's just it, it is inevitable it is fact and therefore looking at okay what has happened just you know in the period of writing this book of stuff that might get drawn upon right in future stuff so you know as I mentioned earlier um the fall of Kabul you know the 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 effective failure of the war in Afghanistan I would be very surprised if some element of that doesn't come up in Star Wars in the future um stuff going on in American politics is always ripe for for inclusion in, in pop culture and i would be very surprised if elements of of recent events over there do not appear in in star wars easy um, easy to write some similarities write. in there yes yeah <laughs> um, but also then you get stuff like the high republic which is cool and which is interesting and um you know i read the first uh, three major books for it and then had to go you know what the further into this i go the more, the harder this is going to be to stop so you know i read like light of the jedi and uh, the rising storm and the fallen star and super enjoyed all of them um and it's it's cool it's brand new open sandbox star wars where anything could happen and i'm i'm here for it um i I like that yes yeah um but it's also interesting to me the extent to which it is continuing stuff that has already existed so if we look at you know the events of light of the jedi and the rising storm and the fallen star and you know you get large-scale terrorist attacks that are beamed across the galaxy and everybody watches them and everybody experiences them and it completely dramatically changes the way they interact with the government and fears of stuff going on in like the outer rim and the like and how is this not war on terror stuff Mm -hmm. how is this not 9-11 re-examined and repurposed within this very particular time period and i find that fascinating i find that super interesting the extent to which you know elements of you know stuff that star wars has been mining for decades now can be re-examined and repurposed and reframed for this brand new stuff so the chat that that concluding chapter is basically me going stuff that's happening now is going to get included you know afghanistan american politics and like stuff that star wars has always been using vietnam you know just look at clone wars and stuff like that and you know i would imagine we'll get some vietnam stuff in andor for example just oh yeah most
0: definitely where it yeah. fits into the
1: story um, yeah yeah and but also war and terror stuff which is you know a big part of the prequel trilogy will continue to appear in elements of um I, I imagine the high republic and who knows what else will happen but the the you know the the grand argument at the end of it is it will it will be historical it will be political because it has always been so um it is and just fact
0: 100% and look you know i brought up some points that are in my head earlier but i, I can tell you this i love star wars yeah. i mean star wars to me i i i message you back and forth on it our, our group we want to have fun with it we want to escape the real world to talk about this fake world right yeah um, we've done it 158 times now where <laughs> we've escaped and done this. Um, but it is good every now and then to do this, this, this course correction and go, Hey, let's, let's talk about some of the meat and grindiness of it. Right. Um, uh, yeah. and, and, and I, and I think it's, it's good. I think it's good for you to have a book that does this, but just because maybe again, not every, you mention it, not every person is going to say this part of Star Wars hits me just right. Yeah, that's okay because there are people out there that Star Wars Legos is their Star Wars, Star Wars yeah. video games are their Star Wars, the books only are their Star Wars. The There's movies, a lot of Star right? Wars
1: to go around for everyone.
0: There is. And you don't have to go, wow, it 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 all hits me the same way. I my my group always talks about video games. You know how many Star Wars video games I've played? <laughs> Big fat 0. I never played a game, never played a Star Wars game in my life. I just don't do well with that. So I I take it in. Sometimes I'll sit and watch them play, right? Cuz I'm yeah. like, oh, it's like watching a movie. But you know, I, I think you bring up some good points that it 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 doesn't have to hit you the same way. You don't have to like everything the same, but there are some things that touch base with the real world in this that we should really look back and go, huh, how does that hit me? Right. How how does how does that way that, that director or that writer or whatever thought about it, how does that hit me in the way i look at star wars yeah so i think it, i think you've done a great job of it i'm going to finish up the book probably this weekend um the last the last few chapters there um so but i i i've really enjoyed it and i have really enjoyed you coming and talking and and hopefully i haven't butchered this conversation all the no <laughs> no
1: not at all i've really enjoyed it and yeah the fact that you know you invited me on you wanted to read the book it's you know that's basically everything an author has ever wanted to hear you know someone (laughs) go I you wrote a thing I am interested in it I would like to read it and talk to you about it is yeah that you know I was saying to you before we started it's not the norm for academic books I've never had this happen before you know I there was an element of I'm like a book about star wars and history i reckon this will land um <laughs> but you, there's no way of knowing and you know yeah. i could have sent you out into the world and everybody come back and gone this is just garbage chris you you're just talking about star wars and stuff i don't care about and you not only do i not like it you've ruined star wars and <laughs> history for me and then i've got to live with that um and, you know that's a lot of pressure to put on yourself well i i will tell you what i'm going to make my daughter read it
0: the the hist- the uh one with the history degree <laughs> I want to, I would definitely want to get her feedback on it. So, um, but again, thank you. Thank you for being on. Like I said, I, I wanted to keep you for like an hour or so with your time and my time, so I can get back to doing what I need to be doing. Um, but, but it's been a, a great pleasure again, best ways for people to track it. We'll put all that in the notes and, and tag everything for everybody. Any closing thoughts from you before we, before we tie things up here in a nice little bow?
1: I mean, what I will say is when we when we finish up here, I've got a discount code for 20% off. If any of your listeners want to use that on the Rapnage website, I will send you the code for that. You can include that in the in in the show notes. Um yes. I think, you know, uh, kind of wrapping up stuff, what we've been saying, there's a lot of Star Wars to go around. It's fine that not everybody likes everything. It's just, it's all right. You know, there's parts of Star Wars and um, Star Wars books that just, you know, they're they're not for me. Um, and it's fine because I know people who absolutely love them. What I would say about um, this kind of this this, this <laughs> historical and political angle for it is almost look at it as if as if you were reading a book with footnotes. Mm-hmm. You can read the text and just take that and be like, you know, I'm just going to have this. This is I'm going to take it face value and this is what I'm experiencing. But if you want to know like the behind the scenes bit about a little bit about, you know, how did this be put? How was this put together? What is it, You know, the, is there a deeper meaning behind some of it? Is there something right. else I'm supposed right. to be getting from it? Look at the footnotes. And that's that's what I, I want hopefully this I, book to be. It's something that enhances Star Wars for people. It doesn't ruin it for them.
0: It it definitely, I think you did your research because I, I was reading through, I was like, my goodness, there's a lot of notes on here. I was like, Mike, there, you know, it's going to this article, it's going to this book. It's I was wow, I was blown away. <laughs> so it's much more while I read novels or I read books for joy and pleasure. This was def- definitely much more, like you said, it's definitely more an academic book that was bringing a lot of information that, that maybe a lot of people didn't know. So, so again, thank you, Chris. I, I, one, thanks to, I hope we do get to cross paths in the future. Uh, three, I'm going to make sure whether it's, uh, uh, Mark Newbold or Adam Bray guys who <laughs> I think would fit very well with you. And you, you, you'd have some great conversations with, I'm going to make sure I reach out to them and make sure you guys are all connected. Cause I, I think you're a good guy and you've done some really good things here. So, Thank you. Thank you from the Rule of the Galaxy crew. Sorry that everybody couldn't be here and it's just me. It would have been better probably with ah, cool. the rest of them. <laughs> but um, let's keep in touch and, and let's, yeah. you know, I'll be ready for your next big announcement, and the next big thing you're going to be doing. So,
1: yeah, I mean, I have no idea what that. I'm going I'm to take a rest for a while, <laughs> I think, um, before I suddenly have to start thinking, oh, God, i got to write another book. Um, so, yeah, who knows? But hopefully, hopefully, you'll involve Star Wars in the future and that'll make me happy.
0: You got it. Well, this this book should make a lot of people happy. From the Rule of the Galaxy crew, from from Chris Kimshaw, uh, to all of our listeners and followers, thank you so much. And until next week, may the Force be with you.